Thank you, Carrie. Good morning, everyone. Good morning again. Uh, I wonder if I were to ask you what your favorite worship song was, I bet we would have all kinds of different responses across this room. One of the ones that um, we used to sing when I went to Soul Survivor was a song called Isn't He? And you might remember this song. It's, uh, I think, from the late 80s or the 90s. And the song, the lyrics are going to be on the screen. The song says this, isn't he beautiful? Beautiful, isn't he? Prince of Peace, Son of God, isn't he? And it's one of those lovely call and response songs that seem to have died out. So the men would sing, beautiful, and then the women sing, isn't he? And then the men sing, isn't he? And the women sing, beautiful. Um, and the problem was that when my friends and I used to sing this, is that we wouldn't take it necessarily very seriously just because of the punctuation. So Soul Survivor, okay, for those of you who don't know, is a large Christian festival that used to happen. You'd have 10,000 young people, all these youth groups from all over the country in a big tent. And it was amazing in terms of people meeting with the Lord, the Holy Spirit being at work among us. And there we were in these beautiful times of worship doing this. Look at the punctuation. Isn't he saying this to one another? Beautiful? Beautiful, isn't he? You know, totally distracting each other from the Lord. Prince of Peace, Son of God, isn't he? And that's literally what we would do. Instead of, you know, people around us lost in wonder, love and praise, and there we were. Isn't he? Well, see, if you like, what our passages encourage us to do is the kind of thing that this song does. Just look at those lyrics. Beautiful, isn't he? It's asking us, it's inviting us to encourage one another to worship God and to gaze upon his beauty. And if you like... In this section of Ephesians, Paul does the same kind of thing. There's all kinds of commands across the book of Ephesians, but just for a moment, he encourages them to worship. Let's look again at verse 18 to 19. Be filled with the Spirit, says Paul, and then look at this, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. It's like he's encouraging them to do the thing that that song does, to encourage one another to worship God and to worship God from their own hearts. Now, when you take the book of Ephesians, as I'm sure you'll know, you can split it up into two halves. So the first half, you could say, is all about Christian theology. You know, what do we understand about ourselves, especially in God? We'll consider more of that next week. But then if you take the next half of the book, it's all about Christian living, as in, in light of all that God's done in the way that he's blessed us, here's how you are to live. So our passage is right in that kind of moment. Don't get drunk on wine, he says, that leads to debauchery. Consider the days, because the days are evil. Here's how you're to live. And then right in there, with all these commands that he has, he says, you're to sing. Now, why does he do that? Why does he command the church in Ephesus to sing? Why does he encourage them to speak to one another? Why does he encourage them to sing and make music to God? And if you like, that question drives my sermon today. Why do we sing in church? Have you ever thought about it before? Thank you so much, band, for leading us. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for leading us. But why do we do it? I wonder if you've ever thought about that. Why does Paul encourage the church? Well, the first place we should start is um, we sing to God... And we worship him through song because he's worthy and he's good and he's deserving of all praise. 
He's steadfast, he's true, he's beautiful, he's loving, he's faithful, his word is flawless, he's perfect, he's compassion on all he has made, he's light, in him there is no darkness, he's not dead, he's alive, nothing and no one compares to him. Amen? God's worthy of all praise, he's worthy of a life laid down, and he's worthy of songs sung to him. You know, we've called on the name of the Lord today, and he is the one who's worthy of songs of praise, and not the program on BBC at 5 p.m. on a Sunday. He's worthy of, worthy of endless songs of praise. And so because God's worthy, when you go throughout scripture, there's all kinds of references to singing. I'm sure again, if I were to ask you here, you would know many of them. So there's actually 400 references to singing across the Bible. Let me highlight a few for you. At creation, the image that is, is used um, as the Lord lays the foundations of the earth is the angels singing together for joy. At the birth of Jesus, the Gospels are full of songs, as you'll remember. Mary sings, Zechariah sings. Our God is said to rejoice over us with singing. Jesus sings to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the book of Revelation, I love the picture from the book of Revelation, of the saints and angels gathered around the throne of the Lord, singing to him. In fact, one commentator says that there are 27 songs in the Bible. So from the beginning to the middle, there's full of singing in the word of God. And of course, because I haven't mentioned the Psalms yet, have I? Um, they're in fact like the songbook of the Bible. Um, and so there are actually 50 direct commands to sing to the Lord in the Bible. Did you know that? Let's take one, Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 47. How many times did the word sing come up here? Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. And in the New Testament, not once but twice, we're commanded to sing. And one of those encouragements is our passage today. We're commanded to sing to God. And so what Paul is doing when he comes to this church in Ephesus and he's writing to them, is joining his voice to the rest of Scripture to tell the church to worship God in song. Now I'm looking forward to getting to know you more and more uh, in this church family, and I you know, wanna share something of my story um, over the months and years that's to come. But just today, let me just share that I came into being a vicar essentially through uh, leading worship. And you, I could tell a very long and possibly boring version of this story, but the shortened version of it with this, when I was at Soul Survivor, the aforementioned festival, one year when I was 17, I came away from it, and I remember telling my friends, and then I think my parents, oh, I think I'd like to be a worship leader. Not that I really know what that meant, and of course the problem is, saying you wanna be a worship leader when you've just seen someone on stage in front of 10,000 people, does make you wanna question, do I wanna be a worship leader, or do I just wanna be on stage with lights and thousands of people singing along with me? The motives might have been mixed, but I'd been in the worship band from about 13, I'd played the drums. And then when I went to university in Southampton, I got the chance for the first time to lead worship. I could play guitar a bit and I could sing a bit. And I remember my voice shaking a lot when I sang for the first time because I was so nervous. But uh, on from there, if you like, I could trace the story and I ended up doing a worship internship at my church in Bournemouth and then I did a, um, I was a worship pastor in Chiswick. And uh, that is, 
in a nutshell, the, the journey I've taken in. You know, and therefore I should say that I love sung worship. I love it. I love coming to God in song. I like doing it on my own. Although don't think of me as too holy. You know, I'm not constantly there in the vicarage just, you know, worshiping the Lord the whole time. I'm doing the washing up and looking at the garden going, goodness me, I've got to learn how to tidy that up. Um, I love singing, okay? And there'll be some of us here today, you, it might not be your thing. You know that bit in um, the command in the scripture, you know, make a joyful noise to the Lord. When you think about your own singing, you might think that that describes you rather than, you know, this angelic voice that you've got. But we are all commanded, whether we think we can make a joyful noise or some kind of beautiful sound, to praise God in song. We're commanded to do it. And what we notice when we look at Paul's command to sing, as he echoes all these commands of scripture, is that our worship has two directions. And we're going to take the first of those now, understand what I mean. Let's look at verse 18 and 19 again. He says, don't get drunk, but instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So he says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So the psalms would be... We think the Psalms from the Bible. Hymns would be longer compositions that they've come up with. There's evidence of that actually in the New Testament as well. And then songs from the Spirit would be possibly singing in tongues, singing something that the Lord gives to you in the moment, as there seems to be evidence of happening, especially in 1 Corinthians 14. So this means that the singing is to be varied in church, but do you notice who he says you're to sing to? He says you're to sing to one another what's he say speak to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the spirit and this has a couple of implications for us the first is this that we're all if you like worship leaders you are a worship leader why don't you turn to the person next to you and say you're a worship leader go on turn to the person next to you you're a worship leader now you might think well I'm not a worship leader because I don't have a microphone and if you did give me a microphone that would be bad news for everybody involved but Paul says you are to speak to one another with psalms, hymns and the songs and spirit psalms, hymns and songs and spirit when we come to church like this we aren't just singing to the Lord and we're going to consider that but we are actually singing and encouraging one another this means that the way that you come to church and the way that you show up and the way that you engage with worship really matters because you'll be encouraging the people around you to sing and to worship. Now that doesn't mean that we always have to put on a brave face and you know, do the big show because somehow it's about us looking good. But it does mean that our worship isn't just to God. Actually, Paul says, speak to one another and speak truth. And this brings to the second point. You're not just a worship leader in a sense, but actually God has a role for you to encourage one another. Our verse parallels a verse that Paul says in Colossians. So in Colossians 3, 16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Can you see the parallel between the verses? It's like he's repeating the same command, but in different places. And when he speaks to the church in Colossae, what does he emphasize? Not just that you're a worship leader, but he says you are teaching and admonishing one another that the message of Christ, he says, dwell among you richly. Oh, that we'd be a church where the message of Christ continues to dwell among us richly. And how does that happen? 
Well, it doesn't just happen when the new vicar gets up to preach. I want to be really clear about that. The teaching in this church, the learning doesn't just happen when someone with a microphone comes and shares. It actually happens as we encourage one another. And Paul says that actually happens when you sing, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So not only, if you like, are you a worship leader, but you're a teacher too. And this is just one element of what it means to live together. When Paul gives this verse in Colossians, which we haven't, obviously haven't had the full reading of, but it's in the context of lots of other commands of how to live together. So in Colossians he said, bear with one another, forgive one another, put on love, be at peace as a united body of Christ, and now teach God's word to one another. And the same is true of our verse in Ephesians. The context of it is all these verses of how to live together as the body of Christ. But not just to get along somehow and you know, put up with each other, but how to encourage one another in the Lord. There's so many verses of that. And one of the ways is singing. One of the ways is our worship together. So not only are we worship leaders and are we teachers, but Paul encourages the church to sing for another reason. Let's uh, look at the same verses again. Sorry that I keep reading them out, but that's what happens with a short passage. Let me read from verse 15 again. Be very careful then how you live, he says. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How much more does that seem to apply now in 2023 as it did when he wrote this? He says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It's not a given that Christians will always know what to do and what the Lord wants. He says, you need to grow in your understanding of that. He says, therefore, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So why does he encourage the church to sing? Why does he encourage them to worship? It's because it is part of a full expression of the people of God being filled with the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit, and as, a, as I'm sure you'll know, it has a present continuous tense, as in, go on being filled with the Spirit. And what does being filled with the Spirit lead to? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit's chief, chief job, if you like, is to glorify Jesus Christ. When the Spirit comes, he exalts, he lifts up the name of Jesus. And he leads his people to do the same thing. We want to be filled with the Spirit, don't we? And as we do that, the command is to be filled and then to sing. But also, when we look at the verse in Colossians, our command to sing has another implication as well. Let's look back at verse Colossians 3.16. Not only are we to be filled with the Spirit, but we are to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms, hymns. And songs in the Spirit. So singing, our worship is an expression of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but also it is a way that the Word of God dwells among us. And I am excited to be part of a church that is a Word and Spirit church. We value and we prize the Word of God. He's spoken it, we believe it, we want to live by it. But also I value being part of a church that is of the Holy Spirit, as we, we want to respond to what He is doing, we want to respond to His leading, we want to be obedient to him. We want to be filled with him. And actually, our singing, our worship together is an expression of being filled with the Spirit and also the Word. 
The Word and the Spirit actually come together, says Paul, in our worship. Now this does mean that the kind of songs that we sing matter. It does mean that we will want to sing old songs and new songs. It does mean that there's a way of helping people do that. As I've been a worship leader over the years, I've had a thought about, you know, how do you help people engage? And um, what you need to be careful to do when you are, especially leading songs of worship, is to help usher people in to the presence of God. Do you remember the psalm that says, I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise? I can see some of you speaking along with me. You'll know that psalm. Often what we need to be doing is to be led into God's presence. Because I've seen worship leaders, they'll come in and the first song they'll do, do you know that lovely song, Your Name Is Like Honey on My Lips? Your spirit, I love that song. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Okay, I love that song. But that isn't necessarily the first song that I want to sing in the presence of the Lord, just because my heart isn't quite there yet. Because what an intimate song that is to sing to God. Jesus, I love that song. I won't sing it for you. We need to be led properly. Actually, often we need to be led to a place of intimacy. We need to sing the songs that come straight from the word of God, don't we? We need to sing the gospel, don't we? What does the psalmist say? Praise the Lord, all my soul. And then he speaks to himself. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. The psalmist has to say to himself, forget not. Remember, bring it to mind. What's the Lord done? Who forgives all your sin, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. We need to be stirred in worship often. We need to be led. And as we do, the word of Christ is gonna dwell on us richly. It's gonna be an overflow of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be something that we are doing as we lead one another in worship. It's gonna be part of the way that we teach and admonish one another in our songs. And ultimately it's to God, isn't it? You see the first Direction of worship, says Paul in the church, is horizontal. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. But then he has another direction too, a vertical one, if you like. Let's read the same verses again, shall we? You can look back in your Bible or it's on the screen again. Be filled with the Spirit, he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit. And then what does he say? Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So worship has a horizontal aspect to it, doesn't it? But of course, ultimately, it has a vertical one. Who are the songs for? Who's our worship for? Who's it to? It's to God, isn't it? Now, we already had this, so thank you for doing it. Thank you so much, Carrie. When someone says, this is the word of the Lord, what do they say? What do we say? Thanks be to God. Now, a friend of mine, when she was little, she grew up going to church, she didn't think it was thanks be to God, she thought God was called Peter. Why? Thanks, Peter God. That's what she was convinced that everyone said. So why don't we try it again? This is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. You can see how she made that mistake, can't you, as a six-year-old. The chance when we come to God in prayer, we can address him, but we can also do that with our songs. And he's not Peter, is he? Thank the Lord. He is God. We're to sing to the Lord. And that's such an amazing thing to do, isn't it? Isn't that amazing? The God of all the universe, 
welcomes our praise. Isn't that remarkable? The one who created everything listens to you, he listens to us when we sing. Another friend of mine has always made a joke that it must be a nightmare for God on Sunday mornings because he's just got overlapping songs coming up from the earth. Which song is he meant to listen to? It's kind of a jumble, who knows? Somehow God hears us when we sing to him. He invites us to sing to him. And he invites us to sing to him in a certain way. What does Paul say? Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Where does it come from? Well, we might say, well, our singing comes from our mouths, doesn't it? Surely. No, it has a deeper thing. Sing and make music from your heart. In our culture, of course, as you know, what does the heart stand for often? Romantic love, doesn't it? When we talk about our heart, often we're talking about, you know, the one or the person that we love. But in biblical terms, it's used as a metaphor for the center of who we are, our most deepest commitments, what we trust the most, as in Proverbs 3, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. It's what we treasure the most. Jesus says where your treasure is, what? There your heart is. Every heart is an inclination, that's Genesis 6. And God, what does God do when he looks at us? He looks at your heart. Human beings look at the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. And God is very interested in your heart. He's looking at your heart now. He looks at your heart in worship. And the Lord is encouraging you and inviting you to sing to him from your heart. And therefore that means that we do have a role to encourage one another, don't we, in worship. I, I long that this church continues to be a place where if someone were to visit, they'd be like, man, that church really loves God. And they can just see our hunger for him in the way that we express ourselves, that we can see our joy in him in the way that we express ourselves. But let's not be a church that is concerned with an outward show too much. Because that doesn't matter, does it, ultimately? Paul doesn't say, sing and make music with the way that you make a big display. You know, the most holy people are the one who lifts up their hands the most. The most holy people are the ones who kneel down the most. Does the word of God say that? No. Where do we sing from? Where do we sing to the Lord from? Our hearts. And I really want to encourage you, before you come to church on a Sunday morning, if you don't do this already, or maybe you do and you just need to be reminded again, why don't you get right with the Lord in your heart? Ask for his forgiveness again. Come to his mercies which are new to you today again. And when you come together like this, You've dealt with your stuff and you can just enter into his presence and you can sing wholeheartedly because of what the Lord has done. And this is the beauty about singing. You see, the Lord is interested in your heart today. But the way that we actually get to encourage one another is our singing together. You get to encourage someone's heart, if you like, and someone else's relationship with the Lord as you speak to other people. You get to be a worship leader. You get to encourage people in the truth of who God is as you sing. And what singing enables to do in a unique way, I think, totally, is to do and to come to the Lord and to worship him together. Dance, we could dance, we could dance couldn't we? Should we scrap all the songs and just do dance? We could do line dance. Tim's going to become our you know, coach and you'll get some of this going on. Should we do flags? 
Does anyone here ever bring a flag to church? I'd like to have a word with you. You do? Wonderful. You know, we could all bring flags, couldn't we? Could we all do poems? Maybe we should do poems. Ah, we could do flags. We could do interpretive dance. We could do poems. But the Lord has actually given singing as a unique way of worshipping him in his unique, wonderful way, something that connects our hearts with our heads, something that connects all of who we are, something that connects our emotions to our will, and crucially, something that we get to do together. We get to worship the Lord together with one voice as our hearts that the Lord is looking on were lifted up to the Lord in praise. And as I said, I came into uh, being a vicar through being a worship leader. And I've realized recently that that's actually what I want to spend my ministry doing. Let me say this again. I am not the savior of Central Church. Jesus is. I'm not the solution to all our hopes and dreams and aspirations for God's work among us. I'm really not. All I really want to be is a worship leader. Not necessarily with songs, but with the way I live my life and the way I help lead this church to be continually pointing people to Jesus. You remember that song, Isn't He Beautiful? Beautiful, isn't he? Isn't he? If you like, I've come to really love that song now. And it's kind of what I want to do with my life and my ministry. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't God good? Isn't he kind? Isn't he faithful? Isn't he precious? Isn't he holy? Isn't he righteous? Isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And what I want us to do together as a church today and the years to come is to worship the Lord together in song because God's commanded it, because it's a way that the word of Christ dwells among us, because it's an expression of the Holy Spirit filling us, because it's the way that the Lord has encouraged us to teach one another, to lead one another in worship. Let's be a church who takes the word of God seriously. Be careful then, Central Church, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Central Church, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Central Church, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.